Let him who hath understanding reckon the number of the beast. For it is a human number. Its number is 666. This is... Marking out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We marking out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We marking out, y'all. Marking out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We marking out, y'all. Reddit likes this Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We marking out, y'all. Marking out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a... Number of the Beast episode of Marking Out, Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. This is episode 666. So, Hath. Uh, I, for, I, don't, I forget the beginning of Number of Beast by Iron Maiden, but thank you for listening <laughs> to uh, this podcast, online listening experience, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you can do it on numerous forms of internet on the Apple podcast application on Spotify, Google Play, if it's still a thing. I think Stitcher is now Pandora or whatever amazon podcast there's there's a plethora of them so go find it out there uh social media wise you can find us facebook.com slash marking out twitter.com slash marking out it's still twitter to me i know it's x but it's always going to live near and dear to my heart as twitter uh facebook.com slash marking out i said that already uh youtube and instagram.com slash marking out 11 and on tiktok at marking out um we have merchandise pro wrestling tees.com slash marking out um, and you can go buy it, which would be fantastic, or you can give us an email at markingout1 at gmail.com. It's been a very long time since you heard this scrumptious voice, and my name is Chris. You can follow me on Twitter, X, at Chris Sweendog. Uh, I am here as well with Dave, David, who you can follow on Twitter at DavidDPDBT. David, how are you? Doing fantastic and very excited because... It's the number of the beast. Yes, it is. It's and you know, you know, I I was thinking about it too. Like it's six, episode six hundred and sixty six. Halloween was this past week, which is uh, synonymous with, um, you know, the devil. And um, I have, I do have a little bit of, and you know, it is uh, Brandon called me up from the miners because he unfortunately <laughs> couldn't be here this week. And my life has been completely crazy because you probably haven't heard me in about two months um, with work. So I really haven't had time to record. So um, first of all, me and Dave are doing this at a terrible, terrible time because it's 9 o'clock. I mean, it's 8 o'clock on Sunday, which is really 9 o'clock because we had daylight savings. So us old men are getting very tired. And cranky. Uh, it and shouldn't exist. I'm not cranky, actually. If this, I've had a very easy weekend this weekend. Oh, I'm uh, I'm I'm cranky over the how we can even still have daylight savings time in existence. Whatever, it's fine. You know what? <laughs> I woke up. I woke up today at 4:45, which is technically 5:45. Um, but I also had a, a lacrosse event to film this morning, and I had to be there at 7:30, so it was fine by me. But now I'm just like a good cup of chamomile tea, and off Ooh. to Neverland, Neverland for uh, for Daddy over here. But um, yeah, work has been very crazy, which is why I haven't been on the podcast, so I apologize to everybody. Um, but Dave, um, let's talk about this week. We mentioned it was Halloween, the night of uh, the demons. What else happened this week? We uh, Big wrestling thing, though, is yeah. we got our tickets for World's End at Nassau Coliseum, which could potentially be the last event, a wrestling event ever at Nassau Coliseum before you know the Sands takes it over and builds a, a multi- 
you know million dollar casino there and ruins that whole area that's so true i didn't even i didn't even think about that part that it could actually be the very last pro wrestling event because i always like i kind of internally regret that he didn't get it to go to national coliseum with you with you and sal uh for the last what was it monday night raw no sal went to one of the smackdown events there but i have like the last one before, like, they changed over the entire Nassau Coliseum. I have a shirt. I still have the ticket stub. I yeah, have that, nice that one with the special T-shirt. Yes, yes, okay. Yeah, so that that I I regret not being able to go to. So to be able to go to, like, the potentially the last pro wrestling event at Nassau Coliseum, I'm very relieved with, especially because all of us have such an attachment to Nassau Coliseum uh, with pro wrestling specifically. Absolutely. You know, from... it's like where you went to your first live show as a kid uh, on Long Island was Nassau, Nassau Coliseum, like Saturday night house shows. Yeah. You know, uh, so you know, I, it's saw... going to be a, an amazing event. I'm really looking forward to it. It's it's going to be bringing back a lot of uh, great memories, you know. Absolutely. You know, I was I was talking to a, uh, a friend at work the other day about it. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get wrestling tickets there. He's like, oh, NASA call seems such a dump. I'm like, I know, but you know what? Like, as a Long Islander, you have so many memories there. Like, I remember for my 30th birthday, Sal had an extra ticket. We went to the Islanders postseason game where Tavera scored uh, the game-winning goal in 15 seconds in overtime, which was – I still remember – I've never felt – a place shake before, but the Nassau Coliseum like was actually literally shaking that day. You know, we, we mentioned him a ton, ton on the show, Matt Cardona. I was there when he won his first WWE Championship match at the the Bash in that uh, Fatal Four Way Tag Team match with him and when him and Brian Myers won their tag team titles, which was awesome. Um, so many great memories. Going to numerous concerts. My first concert I went there. It's just like. And now to, to go to another event there. I mean, we have we're in section two hundred. We're up. I could care less. But like, just oh, like, yeah. I, and I was thinking about this today too. Is like the atmosphere, just getting to like feel the atmosphere of being that high up and just experiencing and seeing everything that's going on. It's gonna be fun, and I'm really oh, excited. I, and it's gonna be a, a great way to end off the uh, 2023 year of professional wrestling. I totally agree with you. You know, I think that uh, like going back. I mean, I saw a house show there in like 1992 or 1993 where it was like. Uh, Bret Hart versus Nails and all these wrestlers. Um, and now to be able to, I mean, for me, uh, seeing Taking Back Sunday stands out where they ended up, uh, all of the fans ended up charging the barricade and jumping the barricade to just create mayhem and pandemonium on the floor. Uh, just so many concerts there. Same thing with you. And yeah, no, you're totally right. To end off. 2023 and going to 2024 on this it's it's going to be incredible yeah i'm pretty pretty stoked and good friend sal will be with us as uh, as well but um what else how we had all hollows eve this this week what what'd you do for halloween what spooky things did you do so yeah for halloween i ended up just really watching some tv i watched some uh, nightmare before christmas is that a um, christmas movie to you or a halloween movie to you you know it's very highly debatable i i think it's okay to say that it's both Okay. What about you? Um, I guess you could. I think of it as more as a Christmas movie. Okay. So. All right. Yeah. What like, did you end up doing for Halloween? Um, I followed my son and his friends around uh, trick or treating. You know, I was the I was the beer cart for the night. Nice. Because yeah, well, I you know I have this blue rolly cart that I use for work to port equipment to all these press boxes all over Long Island, um, and I just put 
everybody's like, you know, pieces of their costume that fell off that went in the cart and I had a cooler with beers and waters and stuff. And <laughs> we just walked around and then went to one of Jordan's friend's houses and, uh, you know, ate and they had a, a nice spread burgers and hot dogs and pizza and all this stuff. And then, uh, you know, came home and I, uh, had to broadcast, uh, 14 soccer games within 10 days, which kind of took up uh, my life. And I was telling people, I'm like, and I told you this too, like I haven't been able to pay attention to Halloween this year. Because yeah. I've been so busy. But now, you know, playoffs are getting starting to wind down. We have two more weeks of craziness, and then it'll be Thanksgiving. So I'm excited for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, I I I know it's been a, a big heavy load and uh Thanksgiving upcoming. It's gonna be it's gonna be nice. Absolutely. It's gonna be nice. Yeah, for sure for show. Um but it wouldn't be episode six hundred and sixty six um, if we didn't, I guess because, you know, Brandon said, hey, you have to be on this since maybe we can get some metal music or something like that. We're going to have music from my friend Anthony's band Lost Becomes later in the show. But we have really big music in the world of heavy metal today as uh, Slipknot, heavy metal giants, announced they are parting ways with their drummer, uh, Jay Weinberg. Uh, it, it was announced on an Instagram post, which was has since been deleted off all their social media accounts. Uh, we'd like to thank Jay Weinberg for his dedication and passion over the past 10 years. Uh, no one could ever replace Joey Jordanson's original sound, style, or energy, but Jay honored Joey's parts and contributed to the uh, to the last three albums, and we, the, the band, and fans appreciate it. Um, this coming out of nowhere, after I know this not just played in Europe this uh, this weekend, um, so it's a kind of a big shock to uh, the heavy metal community. And, you know, after losing Craig Jones and uh, Chris Fenn leaving, um, it's a big shock to uh, Slipknot fans all over the world. So we wonder who's going to replace them. Yeah, I mean, I think that Joey is one of my favorite guitar uh, drummers uh, of all time, maybe. Yeah. Uh, just always fascinating. You know, I, I think that I'm always fascinated with guitars and the drumming aspect just the just watching the movements and bass i just love watching just musicians play and to watch joey and to watch um weinstein uh, weinberg go for it it was just incredible and yeah i mean it's really really something special yes. so it's going to be interesting to see who fills the the next drummer spot yeah well you know i think with some of them, I know they're always. They say when they want to evolve and create and stuff like that. So we'll see. Um, we'll see where Slipknot goes from here. You know, still the the kings of uh, the heavy metal movement right uh, now. Yeah, I mean, uh, and it's always fascinating how he's a son of Max Weinberg. You know, with the E Street Band and everything like that. And I always love that video of him just being backstage meeting the band. Like way back when. Oh, and full Slipknot gimmick, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now it just yeah. became full circle of him being a member of the band. Well, he was also in uh, Hardcore Legends uh, Mad Ball. He played drums for them. He played drums for Against Me. So he'll he'll land on his feet somewhere. But also to uh, being a part of Slipknot, he's made for the rest of his life. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so, he's good. Yeah, he's very good. He's he's straight. So uh, yeah, so there's some heavy metal talk, metal news for you. I'm sorry, it's not about Taylor Swift, <laughs> um, but you'll all deal and you'll live and you'll move on. And now let's move on to uh, wrestling because we had a big event on the other side of the world this past weekend at WWE Crown Jewel, which I did not watch. I know Dave watched some of it, and let's uh, let's talk about it here, Dave. Yeah, I mean, over in Saudi Arabia, it kicked off with Sami Zayn picking up the victory over J.D. McDonough by pinfall. 
I mean, this was a really, really nice, solid opener. Jaden McDonough had a huge... Did you see the bruise on his hip by any chance? No, I did not. He had a huge, nasty bruise on his... It looked like it was right on his hip. I don't know when it, he got it, but Sami Zayn picking up the victory with the Blue Thunder Bomb. Um, just solid opener. Yep. And then it went right into Seth, uh, Seth Rollins successfully defending the World Heavyweight Championship against Drew McIntyre by pinfall. Great, Another great official opener because the other one was the uh, pre-show. Pre-show match, yeah. So the Rollins kicking it off with the actual opener. And I thought that this was back and forth. It was an almost 20-minute opener. Um, really a big fan of this match. I think any time that... Seth Rollins is just a workhorse. He is, and I think he's taken that world heavyweight title. And this is what I was thinking about this today, and I'll kind of go into this more as the card progresses. Um, but I feel like the two Raw titles, you have the Intercontinental title with Gunther, and you have the World Heavyweight Championship with Seth Freakin' Rollins. Those are more like the wrestling titles, yeah. you know, because those guys are putting in the work, they're putting in the matches. Um, they're defending him. They, you know, Gunther's now the longest reigning intercontinental champion of all time. So um, I feel like Raw could be more of like the wrestling show, whereas SmackDown is more of the entertainment side. Um, and we'll talk about that in a, a minute. Uh, so we'll continue on after this. Rhea Ripley successfully defends her women's world championship against Nia Jax, Raquel Rodriguez, Shayna Baszler, and Zoe Starks via pin- pinfall. I mean, I thought it was really cool, Rhea Ripley coming out uh, with um, a bunch of um, just men dressed up uh, in um, Arabian, I forgot what it was called, the traditional attire. I don't know, I'm sorry. Yeah, I forgot what the traditional attire was, but she had a huge entrance, which was really cool. And then Rhea Ripley ended up picking up the victory during her riptide from the top turnbuckle to right on top of, I think it was Shayna Baszler or Zoe Stark, but Rhea Ripley, I think, is the most dominant female in pro wrestling right now. We are getting to the end of the year, so do do you want to say that maybe Rhea Ripley could be like the women's wrestler of the year? I mean, I it's hard not to right now, especially because how she's pretty much running Judgment Day. She's really the the lead of Judgment Day, I feel. I mean, as she's taken it upon herself to go have meetings with Paul Heyman now backstage and trying to recruit Drew McIntyre to j- join Judgment Day, which uh, she had a stare down with Drew McIntyre right after Drew McIntyre's matchup where she just shook his head, shook her head. Um, so I think it's hard where Rhea Ripley isn't in that discussion. She should definitely be up there. True. True, true. After the Solskoa gets a big win over John Cena. So this is uh, John Cena giving the Solskoa the rub. And this may be the biggest win of Solskoa's career. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of rumors coming out of this that John Cena could have, this could be a retirement match or maybe he's heading into retirement soon. But Solskoa hitting him with three Samoan spikes to pick up the pinfall. And this really gave me a lot of vibes of Umaga versus John Cena. What a great rivalry they had. Yeah. Remember that, uh, what was it, they had the or the No Holds Barred match at the Royal Rumble? Where Dude. Cena took off the rope? Yeah. Yeah, great. But also, it, yeah, so it, it could be a little blast of the past for Cena there. Exactly, exactly. So Solo Sokoa, just dominant, though. Yeah. 
But next up, you had Logan Paul pick up the victory over Ray Mysterio Jr. It was by pinfall. Uh, it was for the WWE US Championship. This matchup was probably my favorite of the night. Um, it's high flying at times. It's technical at times. It's surprising to me at times because I'm not expecting Logan Paul to do some of the things that Logan Paul is doing. Yeah, but that's what Logan Paul does. It's Logan yeah. Paul being Logan Paul. Um, I My daughter was a big fan of Logan Paul winning the United States champion. I'm not a fan of it. Um, that I mentioned it two minutes ago. You know, the world heavyweight title and the intercontinental title have kind of been very big workhorse titles, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So now you're going to put the United States title on Logan Paul, who is a full-on part-timer. I don't see him holding that United States title, doing the media tours, getting up early in the morning. Is he going to be on the, uh, SmackDown every single week? Probably not. So you're going to have your two main titles on SmackDown on two full-on part-timers. I don't get it. So I'm I'm okay with it because I do believe that Logan Paul will show up more often. I think Logan Paul's going to show up more often than Roman Reigns shows up. Yeah, but still, he's not going to show it's like, What is he, Logan Paul going to show up once a month? Or are they going to run back him and Ricochet again? Like... That's true, that's true. I don't know. I, I think that it's a great opportunity, especially with... Logan Paul uh, being a newcomer, so far he has really surprised a lot of people with the WWE. And it gives us a lot more to see of Logan Paul. And I really want to see him uh, in a lot more matches. So I'm excited for it. I mean, we had a really close call at one point where Rey Mysterio, uh, he went to go do a, what was it? I think he went to do a moonsault. Um and Logan yes, Paul and Logan had to Paul catch was, him like right well, before. Well, Logan Paul, Logan Paul, I think was also was a little bit too far back. Mm-hmm. So, like, how many times we've we seen Rey Mysterio do that same exact thing, and everybody has either posted for him. So you know, but that that's unfortunately too the dangers of professional wrestling. Yeah, you know, Logan, I I was very smart of Logan Paul to lunge forward to catch him, so he didn't land on his head. Um, but you know, it's just that's part of wrestling. There's no one to blame here. You don't blame Rey Mysterio for you know. Under under flipping, you can't blame Logan Paul for you know being too far back. You know it's the heat of the moment. So yeah, I I think that I I was just a fan of this entire match. I mean, you had that the brass knucks come involved where uh, Logan Paul almost was able to get his hands on his on the brass knucks, but Santos Escobar coming out there and preventing that from taking place. But he ended up getting his hands on it even still. And uh, knocked out Rey Mysterio to pick up the victory. Very cheap, but picked up the victory. And celebrating um, with his yellow primes. Yeah. Well, something also to note is that the we did have a Miz TV segment where Miz TV was with a special guest, the actor Ibrahim Al-Hajjaj. Um, and this was interrupted by Grayson Waller, which ended up becoming a big segment with Grayson Waller just really being the total heel that he is. And then, of course, The Miz getting one up on uh, Grayson Waller. But Grayson Waller has to be one of the best heels right now. Yeah. You know, what are your takes on? So right now you got Grayson, Wall, uh, Grayson Waller what are, and um, uh, Austin Theory as a team. What are you thinking about them as heels? I don't watch them enough mm-hmm. to give you a 
really deep opinion on it, but whatever. I mean, I thought Austin Fury was super hot coming off of WrestleMania with a big victory over John Cena. They should have given, you know, but it's like, hey, guess what? We don't, we have, we have nothing for you, Austin Theory. After that, let's, uh, I'll just put you in a tag team with another guy who's got, got heat. So, yeah, that's that's. Focus it's hard on not to see that that's champion taking being a full-on part-timer. Yeah, it's hard not to say that that's taking place, you know. But yeah. I would, I with some Survivor Series coming up, I would love to see them utilized in a very, very heel, uh, team, you yep. know. Maybe pair them up with Dominic Mysterio somehow. Why? I don't understand. I don't, I don't get that. Heel. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just thinking Atomic Heat. Yeah, they've I know, had, but they've, they've had, like, they've had interactions in the backstage area before. But keep it to that, you know. It's like they, you, you have, you know, from what I've seen, Rhea Ripley trying to recruit Drew McIntyre. Why are you going to recruit everybody into the Judgment Day? I don't. So that's the thing. I don't know what the thoughts are. But I don't know if we've actually seen what Rhea Ripley's plans are either. Okay. You know? Mm-hmm. We're going to have to see. But next up, you had Eos Guy successfully defending the WWE Women's Championship against Bianca Belair. Um, this matchup was awesome. You had the alley, uh, Belair going with that alley-oop powerbomb and then the German suplex to Sky uh, for a near fall. But the big thing coming out of this was where Bailey ended up getting... Uh, taken out, and as uh, Bianca Belair was going for the kiss of death to um, to Io Sky, you had the return of Kyrie Sane. Yeah, it's been rumored for a very long time. She uh, finished up her commitments in Japan, and she wanted to come back, and she's back now. So, yeah. uh, is the, she a member of Damage Control now? Are they a for foursome or that? I it's undetermined because her and Sky left together, but Bailey wasn't. By their side on the way out. It looked I don't like know Bailey... why you would break up damage control, though. I That's the thing. Were, I don't know. I don't. Were... I don't know if they're breaking it up, but maybe they'll. I don't know. I really don't know. But damage control, civil war. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see what happens. Sky definitely was awesome in this match with the over the moon salt victory, uh, and then after the match, you had Sky and Sane just attacking Bel Air, where Sane ended up hitting up the insane elbow. You know, so yes. very heel heel fashion. Cool. Cool, cool. After this, Cody Rhodes successfully uh, defeats Damian Priest via pinfall. So, like, you can't not have Cody Rhodes win on a giant event in Saudi Arabia. Nah. That's, uh, that's it. It's but it's like they should have pulled the trigger and made him the champion. At, I'm digressing here, but, <laughs> you know, it's a solid match, right? Yeah, no. Solid match. I mean, you had your typical interference with Judgment Day, with uh, Jey Uso and everything like that. Uh, but it came down to Cody Rhodes hitting the Bionic elbow and then three crossroads to pick up the victory over Priest. What did I see Sami Zayn taking Damian Priest's uh, Money in the Bank briefcase? Did it so happen during this match? That was for... It was after this, I believe it was. Okay. Was it after this? I don't know. <laughs> It happened though. Yeah, I forgot. Okay, I forgot. All right, no worries. No oh no, I, this was good. Good thing you brought that up. That was actually at the very beginning, I think. Ah. With okay. the yeah, that was at the very beginning with uh, Seth Rollins and Drew okay. McIntyre, where uh, Damian Priest was going to go cash in on Seth on uh, Seth Rollins, but then Sami Zayn came up behind, all dressed up. You didn't know who it was, taking the briefcase and then hopping the barricade, and it was Sami Zayn. And then Damian Priest 
chase down Sami Zayn. So right now, Sami Zayn is in possession of the briefcase. Fun. There we go. Yeah, but main event of the evening, you had Roman Reigns pick up the victory over L.A. Knight. Yeah. Um, no. I think that this match was awesome. And I think that what is really incredible about this matchup is that it solidified L.A. Knight as a main eventer. That I agree with. I, I will, I'll give you that. But I just, it's the same, it's the same formula. You know, this is something that Brandon was, Brandon mentioned uh, a very long time ago. He said every Orange Cassidy match is the same. And then Orange Cassidy went on that run for the international, as the international champion, just unbelievable things. But like, it's the same rinse and repeat for Roman Reigns. Yes, outstanding match, but the same thing. Somebody gets involved, yeah. and then Roman Reigns hits a spear, and, and it's a win. There was one, I don't know if you saw the, the the stat today. You know, Hulk Hogan, during his reign as WWF champion, like 1,600-whatever days, had 400-something matches for the WWF then championship. Roman Reigns is going to probably hit that some point late next year. 54 title matches. Yeah, I saw it. So like, I get it. It's a different era, too, yeah. because also we were coming out of the pandemic, the Thunderdome, all that mumbo jumbo. Exactly. You know, so that's the, so that's the big thing, too, is that it's a different era. You know, like back then when Hogan was champion, they were really those guys are working 300 like, days a year. Yeah. Like, yeah. just in like really insane. You know, it, it's kind of like pitchers nowadays where. You have all these uh, pitchers who were pitching uh, nine innings a game and yeah. getting X amount of strikeouts and without closers, but now you're never going to have anybody hit that again because it's just not how it's done. While we're talking about pitching, congratulations this week as well to the Texas Rangers on their first World Series win. Yeah, you Jacob know, Degrom and Max Scherzer do get their World Series rings this year. <laughs> I'm I'm very happy for them, you know, especially Degrom, and I I think that. I'm not a fan of Mets fans being bitter over this. I mean, it, look at what both of them did for the Mets when they were with the team. I mean, specifically DeGrom. I mean, yeah. Cy Young winner did so much with us. Unfortunately, it just wasn't the team to go to the World Series. And I think that everybody should just be happy for them, you know? Yeah. And, and it's their first franchise uh, World Series. Yeah, so good for them. Yeah, I agree with you. We're going back to Roman Reigns now. So, again, as I said, the same rinse and repeat Roman Reigns-style match. I could um, – yeah. So, I could understand that. I totally understand that. I'm a big fan of his matches, but I definitely understand the repetitive of, like, oh, Sola's involved now and Jimmy's involved now and this is involved and near fall, near fall. Roman Reigns gets the victory after a distraction. Um, I totally get it, but I'm still very entertained by it. But I also think I'm more entertained by the bloodline – storyline period you like, don't think it's with... completely jumped the shark at all not yet because i'm still wanting to see the payoff you know paul Heyman saying that they're only in the bottom of the third inning or whatever his quote was that really intrigues me because i really want to see this ball game get played out now yeah you know and it the ball game even if roman reigns loses the ball game's still going to be going yeah you know, but I'm definitely invested in seeing the direction of this. All right, cool. So that was Crown Jewel. Um, overall, Dave, was it a good, a great uh, premium live event? I think so. You know, I yeah. think that it was. I think that it was very entertaining, and 
you know, I think that it's going to be more to come. You know, next up we have Survivor Series War, War Games, which everything is uh, leading into. Yeah, which should be uh, which should be awesome. So yeah. remember last year's uh, War, Survivor Series War Games? That was the uh, the the middle of the Sami Zayn bloodline chapter. Yeah, so. that's yeah, that was a huge part. Yeah, so um, I will say goodbye for now. You're going to do Raw by yourself, Dave, right? Yes, sir. Okay, so I'm going to say goodbye for now, um, and then Dave is going to do some uh, talk about some Monday Night Raw. All right, let's get on to it. Let's talk about that Monday Night Raw. <sighs> Monday Night Nitro. That is right. Monday Night Raw kicked off with a in-ring promo by Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins bringing it down, burning that house down with the crowd. And he actually gave thanks to Sami Zayn for interrupting that Damian Priest cash-in taking place at Crown Jewel. Um, following up with this, Seth Rollins offered Sami Zayn a world title shot, which Sami Zayn accepted. And that is going to take us into our Main event of the evening. Our first match of the night. It was the Judgment Day picking up a victory over the New Day. And Judgment Day, Priest and Balor coming up as the winners in this one. Balor hitting a coup de gras for the finish over Xavier Woods. A nice back and forth action. I mean, you have two of the best tag teams at the current time. I mean, New Day, New Day is up there for uh, one of the gr- great tag teams of our era with everything that they have been doing. And right now, I think that they are both awesome tag teams. So with this one, Judgment Day picking up the win. Next up, you had Akira Tozawa take on Shinsuke Nakamura. And, well, it was it was as you would expect. Tozawa picking up the victory. No, of course not. That's not what you expected. Nakamura picked up the victory over Tozawa. Um, it was really, you know, you had a little bit back and forth, but, you know, it just wasn't going to be enough. Nakamura is just way too good right now. Following the match, Otis confronted Nakamura, and, well, Nakamura just walked it off. He just walked away from it. Next up, you had The Miz take on Bronson Reed, take on Ivar, take on Ricochet, where all four men competed in order to see who would have a shot at Gunther's Intercontinental Championship at Survivor Series. Well, I'll tell you one thing. This match was definitely incredible. There was one spot specifically, that blew my mind. It was the spot where Bronson Reed, well, Ricochet was on the ropes. Bronson Reed did like a a rebound, um, a rebound where Ricochet went flying off of the ropes and ended up hitting a Huracurana on Ivar. Just a lot of fun. And I feel like everybody in this matchup brought something a little bit different. So it was really cool that you had so much so much variety in this matchup. Even Reed and Ivar, I know that they're both powerhouses, uh, larger-than-life wrestlers. 
but they both also bring different aspects to this matchup. You know, I mean, Reed with the thick, thick boom. Ivar with his moonsaults and everything and his cartwheels. It was just a lot of fun to see this match. I was very much a fan of this. And The Miz picked up the victory to earn an Intercontinental Championship title shot against Gunter, which could be expe uh, expected considering everything that took place the previous week with The Miz and Gunter and Miz TV. Um, there was this one part where Ricochet Ricochet hit a moonsault to, to break up everything. It was just so much taken away from this matchup. There was the Tower of Doom spot, which usually, um, you know, it goes back and forth because it's so overdone. But in this match, it was awesome, you know? Following up with this, you had... The Creed Brothers take on DIY, Gargano and Champa. The Creeds picking up the victory over DIY. It was clean asterisk, you know. Uh, Ludwig Kaiser. Ludwig Kaiser got involved. Uh, he ended up kicking one of the Creeds right in the face, uh, costing them the matchup. And that only allowed Champion Gargano to pick up the victory. You did get to see uh, the Brutus Ball take place. You had a ton taking back and forth action. It was nice to see this all get set up backstage as well. You know, earlier in the night, you had the Creeds with um, Adam Pierce signing their contracts and then Pierce welcoming them only for DIY to walk in there and set up this matchup. But this was awesome. And I got to say, I am eating my... Uh, my words on the Creed's, the Creed Brothers, which is nothing new to me because usually Brandon will say these wrestlers or this wrestler is awesome. I'm like, I'm not sold. You gotta, you gotta show me more. I'm not sold, and I'll be very stubborn with that. Like I need to see more, more, more. And I mean, this happened with no uh, Naomi. This happened with Naomi. Um, it happened with Dana Brooke a little bit with me and Brandon. Not too much because I think I was always a sold on Dane and Brooke a little bit. Like, I knew that there's potential, but I wouldn't doubt it. Most notably would be Naomi, uh, but the Creed brothers definitely winning me over, especially Ivy, uh, Ivy Nile. Um, but something I really loved, uh, liked out of this matchup was the Widdles Bell DDT. Always a fan of that, and Brutus' sell of that was really cool. Next up was a Battle Royal matchup where the number one contender takes on Rhea Ripley and her women's world title. This was an awesome, awesome battle royal matchup. You had Becky Lynch, Nia Jax, Natalia, Tegan Knox, Chelsea Green, Piper Niven, Shayna Baszler, Zoe Stark, Caden Carter, Katana Chance, Zia Lee, Maxine Dupree, Indy Hartwell, Candice LeRae, Nikki Cross, and Raquel Rodriguez, and also Ivy Nile. This was awesome. Um, Becky Lynch didn't even get her chance to enter the match because Zia Lee took her totally out of the matchup. She rocked her with that kick, knocking her out. Pierce, Zia Lee was ready to get into that ring, which who knows what damage she could have done to somebody else in there. I mean, Candice LeRae, good to see, good to see she's back in action after taking that kick from Zia Lee, but Adam Pierce was like, no, what are you doing? Get the hell away from here. Go away forever. 
He didn't really say that forever, but he did say go away. Which, we'll see what happens where she ends up going. But, to me, there was a lot of uh, comedy spots. There was a lot of of break of just uh, breakouts during this matchup. But a huge, uh, Chelsea Green was incredible. I thought that the stare down with um, Nia Jax and Raquel Rodriguez while over Nikki Cross was pretty funny. Uh, Nikki Cross is still in that trance that we don't know where this is going. Hopefully it doesn't get dragged on too long because I am curious to see what's going to happen. And I don't know how long it could actually go for. But it ended up coming down to the the one downside. I know Brandon was not a fan of this, but the final competitors were, besides Ivy Nile, were the women that were just in this matchup at Crown Royal. So, uh, Crown Jewel. So, that's one thing about this that was like, ah. But, yeah, three super kicks and a DDT to the Queen of Spades. And then Starks, uh, Stark able to score the victory on the apron. Um, I thought that, I was definitely surprised by this. I thought Shayna Baszler was going to take it. But Zoe Stark able to pick up the victory. And this is a huge spot for Zoe Stark. I mean, talk about being launched right into the title scene. I mean, I know she was in that storyline with Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus already, which is huge. But now she's going up against Rhea Ripley. I mean, obviously, WWE sees a lot of stock within Zoe Stark. Ivy Nile stood out to me big time in this. I thought that she was great. I thought that uh, she really held her own. And yeah, for her being... This really being her first Monday Night Raw matchup, it was awesome. Next up, you had Seth Rollins taking on taking on Sami Zayn for the World Heavyweight Championship. This match was awesome. It was aggressive. It was fast-paced. Um, the crowd was heavily behind it. You kind of knew that something was going to happen. You knew that... Judgment Day was going to get involved at some point, and inevitably they did get involved. Uh, they ended up getting involved where Sami Zayn. It didn't happen a little bit, you know, towards the end, but everything happened after a Boston Crab, a Boston Crab counter where Seth Rollins was able to pick up the victory over Sami Zayn. It was a very quick victory, but really. Good because you didn't know which way it can go to. Um, it was a lot of fun, but Judgment Day attacked Sami Zayn while he was heading out of the ring, and then uh, Seth Rollins helps out Sami Zayn doing a suicide dive to the outside, I believe, or over the top. I think that he it was a suicide dive, uh, taking out a few people, and then Jay Uso made his way down to the ring to help out Rollins and Zayn. But Judgment Day is just keeping keeping up that beatdown, keeping up that beatdown. And then Cody Rhodes coming down to make another save. You had the producers. You had the security guards. You had everybody just trying to help out. Adam Pierce is out there trying to maintain order. He cannot as everybody's going at it. And you know exactly what is taking place. That is right. It's all to set up war games. It is official. Adam Pierce gets on the mic after the matchup and he says... The Judgment Day, taking on Sami Zayn, Jey Uso, Seth Rollins, Cody Rhodes, in a War Games 
matchup. I, for one, am very, very, very excited for this matchup. I think it's going to be great. Um, I think that I think that that War Games matchup brings a lot of variety that WWE hasn't had in a long time since bringing in that matchup, like a gimmick match-wise. Um, they've had a few, but nothing really to this level. And I know it's not really original because it's obviously done before, but War Games is very entertaining. I mean, this is where it all comes full circle with Sami, with Sami Zayn and Jey Uso, where this was where... Us uh, turned on Roman Reigns last year, and can you believe that this bloodline storyline with Sami Zayn? It was all over the course of a year. You know, that's how great this storyline is. But that being said, how about we move on to some NXT? WWW WWE NXT. There you go. Get those words out there. Letters, I should say. But something huge to make mention of is that WWE NXT is going to be moving to... Drumroll, please. The CW. That is right. It is going to be moving to the CW in October 2024 in a five-year deal. That is huge. That is just huge. Um, so it kicked off with the NXT Heritage Cup. Tozawa taking on Noam Dar. Uh, Dar retaining his Heritage Cup, picking up the victory. You had Alpha Academy and the Metaphor all involved in this matchup. Uh, Noam Dar had a lot of moments where he nearly tied it, uh, almost had it tied up with Tazawa, but Noam Dar picked up that first victory to get a lead on him with a handful of tights. But with the help of Lash Legend, Dar is able to come out as the winner. But after the match is really where it's pretty big. I mean, Mensa got in the face of Tazawa only for Maxine Dupree to interfere and slap Mensa leading to Gable and Otis getting involved attacking Mensa Otis just reminds me of earthquake and typhoon characters I keep on saying it and I am a natural disastrous mark I do like them um so I guess it's natural for me to be a fan of this um, and it should be noted, I thought it was cool that they pointed out that Tazawa is uh, chasing his 18th WWE title, which, I mean, the one thing is, 16 of their titles are uh, 24-7 championships. So, but overall, it was awesome. Next up, you had Lyra Valkyria addressing the NXT fans, uh, pretty much talking about her championship victory. But here we come full circle. Not really, I guess, continuation from Monday Night Raw. Zia Lee comes on out and goes face to face with Valkyria. Uh, security ends up getting involved, but Zia Lee takes one of the security guards out. Uh, Zia Lee walks off, and 
it looks like we're going to be getting a Zia Lee versus Valkyria. Um, I don't know if they if they said when it was going to be taking place. Uh, Valkyria did tease that uh, that open challenge and everything, so it's going to happen. But I don't know when they mentioned it. Next up, you had an Iron Survivor qualifying match: Fallon Fallon Henley taking on Tiffany Stratton. Um, this match I was a big fan of. You had Stratton picking up the victory over Henley to advance to NXT deadline. Um, I thought that this was awesome. The the prettiest moonsault ever was spot on, picking up the victory. This was back and forth where you just didn't know what what could have happened. You know, you didn't know who was going to pick up the victory. Both of them have a ton, a ton going for them. Stranton coming off her her uh, storylines with Becky Lynch. But this is great. Henley breaking away from Briggs and Jensen. And this was awesome, you know. But Stranton picked up the victory. In addition to that, we had some backstage action at um, with Ron Breaker, Von Wagner, Shawn Michaels, you know. So what happened was a referee emerged from Shawn Michaels' office, and he goes on to reveal that he was told to exercise his discretion in relation to the rules in the matchup for Von Wagner and Braun Breaker's matchup. But in the background, you also saw Ava Rain going into HBK's office. So there's a lot taking place with this. Next up, you had Braun Breaker and Von Wagner going at it. Um, this matchup, I don't know. It just didn't do all that much for me with this matchup. I could have taken it or left it. Braun Breaker did pick up the victory with the spear. But Von Wagner getting a very, very important, I think, uh, table spot over Braun Breaker. Because with everything taking place with uh, Von Wagner, I feel like he needed something like that over Braun Breaker. I don't think that it was important for Braun Breaker to really pick up the victory in this one. But next up, you had Kalani Jordan and Roxanne Perez take on Lola Vice and Electra, uh, Electra Lopez. Perez and Jordan picking up the victory over Vice and Lopez. This matchup really just showed how great the women's division in NXT is. And when I say great, I mean how much promise they have, how much potential they have. They haven't hit greatness yet, you know, nor should they really be expected to. I don't think anybody is, but the potential for them is there. I think that their athleticism, athleticism, we'll go with it. Yeah, why not? It's all there, um, but Jordan got the victory, avenging her loss from last Wednesday, um, and I thought that it was really, really cool. Um, it was definitely very important for her to pick up that victory. And, yeah. Next up, you had something that was pretty good. Otis. We were just talking about him. Otis picked up a victory over Gulak. Um, Drew Gulak, you know, always a fan of everything that he's doing. But Otis, there's nothing you can do against him. You know, this was just fun. 
Uh, a fun way for Otis to get involved and Gulak just didn't stand a chance, you know? Alpha Academy is so over, so over with NXT, with everybody. It's it's crazy, you know? It's just crazy how over they are, and it's well-deserved. Next up, you also had backstage Stranton and James. You had potentially uh, the formation of a partnership or tag team. You know, they don't mind each other. Stranton doesn't mind her. So, we'll have to see what happens. Iron Survivor Challenge Qualifier. Tyler Bate taking on Dijak, but Dijak picking up, in my opinion, a very, very important victory. I think that Dijak needed to get this victory. Bate is, he's, he's been up there, but Dijak needs this. He is, I think that he is red hot and you need to just strike it now. And I'm hoping that this is what they are planning to do. But, you know, you had a really cool spot where Tyler Bate hit a really, really cool superplex from the top rope to Dijak. You also had a really nice German suplex spot where Dijak landed on his feet. I mean, if you don't know how tall Dijak is, that's that's damn impressive. But very happy that Dijak picked up the victory. Um, next up, you had something very important. Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. Going face to face in the ring. Who was the attacker? Was it Carmelo Hayes? We will find out soon. But what ended up taking place was when we were about to see what was going to happen. Lexus King. Alexis King coming on out. And I am a fan of this heel character of Alexis King. I mean, he didn't say that he was involved. He didn't say that he did anything with the attack. He just teased it. And it was really done well, where we didn't really see anything with uh, Carmelo Hayes or Trick Williams to a finale of that. But now it makes you wonder if King was the person who did it. You know, he also did something with uh, Mackenzie Mitchell. And, you know, we'll have to see what happens with that factor. But the big spot ended up happening when, uh, when um, Williams ended up hitting Hayes instead of... Lexus King, uh, Lexus King getting on out of there, but then the both of them, Hayes and Williams, ended up hugging each other. But was it really a hug? I mean, you had Carmelo Hayes looking at that, looking right at that, uh, the camera. You know, it makes you wonder what is going to happen. Next, you know, it, it really builds it up very, very well. I'm definitely invested in this to see what's going to take place. You know, will we find out? I'm sure we're going to find out very, very soon. I mean, I feel like this is all going to lead to Williams taking on Hayes. You know, maybe Williams takes on Hayes and then Lexus King isn't the 
uh, says that it was all him the entire time, or what was it if it's not Alexis King? And he's just devil's advocate. You know, just trying to stir the pot a little bit. Um, let's see how it's going to break down. But that was NXT. Going to bring Brandon on for some SmackDown. Hey, Brandon, how are you doing? I'm doing awesome as always. Uh, yeah, like you said, very chaotic. And that continued on to SmackDown. Before I talk about that, though... Kevin Owens filled in for Corey Graves because Carmella gave birth. And on Twitter, they showed a segment where Kevin Owens spoke to Nick Aldis about filling in for Corey Graves on commentary. I thought it was very funny. The major thing from this, though, was that he could not get involved or else he would be, I think, suspended. So there was that throughout the night. But it opened up with the LWO. And Rey Mysterio spoke about the brass knuckles that Logan Paul used at Crown Jewel. And he wants a rematch. And then Carlito interrupted. Put all the damn blame on DeSantos Escobar for leaving the the brass knuckles on the apron. Which I do think was kind of goofy. But he put all the blame on Escobar. Santos got pissed off. He left. Rey Mysterio and Zelina Vega went after him. Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits came out for the next match, which was Bobby Lashley versus Carlito. Carlito's first singles match in whatever many years, they said, on SmackDown. Lashley picked up the victory. We saw B-Fab backstage watching the match, which she spoke to Bobby Lashley about something last week. We don't know what yet, but something happened there. Ashanti the Adonis questioned BFAB about it and they left together but Montez Ford cheated in this uh Joaquin Wilde took him out obviously um Angelo Dawkins joined in Cruz del Toro joined in Santos Escobar ran back out and joined back in and tried to help but Montez Ford kicked Carlito Bobby Lashley speared him and pick up the victory there the Street Profits Continued the beatdown after the match. And Escobar just watched it all happen. And it wasn't until Rey Mysterio came out with the steel chair that Escobar even got into the ring. And I definitely don't mind them teasing tension between the LWO, but I did not or don't want to see them split up yet. But Santos Escobar attacked Rey Mysterio. Rey fought back and he still tried to help Santos Escobar up. But Santos smashed him into the ring post and then drop kicked the steel steps into Ray's leg. And Kathy Kelly backstage asked Santos, why? Why did you attack Ray Mysterio? And he said that Ray had it coming. So, I mean, were we supposed to see Santos Escobar win the U.S. championship? Are there hard feelings between the two of them there because of that? Or at least on... Santos's side for that? Possibly. It's not like he didn't get a shot at the, the title, though. But Santos Escobar had great heel work in NXT. I, I'm, I'm for it, but I still I don't want to see them split up yet. Maybe in the future we can see Electra Lopez be brought up to be with Santos Escobar if he's going to be like a full-blown heel. I think... 
I still feel like it's weird that she wasn't brought up as part of Legato del Fantasma, but I don't think Lola Vice needs Electra Lopez. She just won the breakout tournament, so Lopez can 100% be brought up to SmackDown and, and be paired back with Santos Escobar. We saw Dragon Lee pick up the victory over Cedric Alexander. I thought it was cool that they ran this match back. I thought it was a good match. They had some good false finishes. The fans were chanting, this is awesome, but I would have liked to have seen Cedric tie this up because Dragon Lee has a victory over him already. I thought maybe we would see Cedric win and then do another tiebreaker, but I guess that's not the case. LA Knight came out and spoke about Crown Jewel and how he could have beat Roman Reigns had it not been for Jimmy Uso, which seems to be like Bloodline 101 for the opponents. But he also said that he's not done with the Bloodline, also Bloodline 101 for opponents. Grayson Waller came out and said that he's blaming everyone except for himself. And he needs that honesty. Maybe he's just not the guy. And LA Knight ended up attacking Grayson Waller. It goes into the match where LA Knight picks up the victory over Waller. And I don't think we needed this match because that segment would have just been fine. And since we had the match, I feel like Waller should have lost in like two minutes or so due to the the promo from LA Knight about Crown Jewel. I did like this match though. I like the single leg uh, crab that Grayson Waller did on the top rope. I also liked the counter from the stunner that LA Knight, he caught LA, uh, Grayson Waller's stunner with a back suplex. I thought that was nice. Um, and I think Kevin Owens added a lot to that segment. Uh, Austin Theory came out afterwards and Grayson Waller went back to the ringside area with Ke- with uh, Austin Theory they dump water on Kevin Owens and Kevin Owens told Michael Cole that he's going to go get suspended. He went after them and uh, Austin Theory escaped the stunner, but Grayson Waller ate a stunner. So I guess Kevin Owens is suspended. We saw earlier in the night, Bailey come out and speak about how she had a plan for EO Sky to become champion. And EO is champion because of that plan. But she didn't know that Kyrie Sane was showing up at Crown Jewel. And she called EO out to talk about it. EO came out with Dakota Kai and Kyrie Sane. And EO said that she also had a plan. And she is still champion. And Bailey played a clip of the last time that we saw Kyrie Sane, which I think they said was three years ago. It's absolutely crazy that it's already been three years. But it was of Bailey literally beating the hell out of Kyrie Sane. That was the last time we saw her on WWE programming. And Dakota Kai brought up that it wasn't to, to hurt Bailey, it was to make damage control str- stronger. And Kyrie Sane said that she respects Bailey and even forgives her. And they hugged it out, even though Bailey was was super not into it, which I thought was funny because the whole thing, she used to be a hugger. Now she's not. She's not into it at all. But Bianca Belair came out and said that her mistake was believing that EO would face her one-on-one. 
And then she brought out Charlotte and she brought out Asuka. That sets up a six-woman tag match. And that was the main event. We saw Damage Control versus Bianca Belair, Asuka, and Charlotte. It ended in a no contest. And I was really, really hoping that Asuka would turn on Charlotte and Bianca Belair because, to me... There's way too much history between Asuka and Io and Asuka and Kairi Sane. So, the match was going on. It was a good match. Bianca Belair needed to tag out. And Asuka pulled her hand and then misted her. And I literally clapped and yelled, hell yeah. Because that's what I wanted. And it happened and I couldn't have been happier for that and they all hugged Bailey actually embraced it which is funny because it's a complete 180 from what we saw at the beginning of Smackdown and damage control continued the beat down Shotzi ran down damage control was too strong I don't know who you would add to a team of Charlotte Flair Bianca Belair and Shotzi Blackheart but it seems like war games where they'd get another partner, and then obviously Asuka, Bailey, Io, and Kyrie. So, I'm pumped to see more of that. We'll have LA Knight versus Jimmy Uso next week. Solo Sokoa's back after beating John Cena at Crown Jewel. That's SmackDown. We have a musical interlude this week, and I'll kick it to Chris to introduce it. So, Chris, take it away. As Brandon said, it's Chris. I'm back here, episode 666 of Marking Out. And it wouldn't be episode 666 without playing some metal music, as I said earlier in the show. So this song uh, comes from uh, friends of mine, well, Anthony, the lead singer. He's been on this podcast before. Uh, his band, Lost Becomes. Uh, they have a song out and a video for this song. It's called L-O-F. Uh, check it out and headbang and put up devil horns and then uh, I'll be back to talk about uh, the world of professional wrestling on Mark Now.
Back here on Marking Out, pro wrestling talk by pro wrestling fans. Can't thank Lost Becomes Enough for L-O-F. Uh, you can find that on all streaming services. And the next time that you can catch them will be Friday, November 24th. That's Black Friday. That's the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, they're going to be at uh, one of the homes of heavy metal and underground music in the tri-state area, and that's St. Vitus. Uh, It's on 1120 Manhattan Avenue in Brooklyn. Uh, They're going to be supporting Swollen Teeth. Also playing on that show is Jellyfish Jam and God's Eyes, who are uh, another another band I am friends with, who are maybe one of my favorite bands out right now. Um, They're just, if you're a fan of hardcore, uh, if you're a fan of punk, I definitely highly recommend checking them out. They put out an album uh, last month called Progress Regress, uh, and it's uh, just one of my favorite pieces of music that has come out uh, this year. So go check them out because I'm going to go to that show, Black Friday. I know I have off, so I will be there to support my friends. Uh, So go check it out, and thanks again, Lost Becomes, LOF. Great song. Anthony's vocals on that. And this you know this is just a, me putting him over is you know i anthony was the vocalist in carpenter anthony was when i when we were in a band together he was the vocalist in thration when i was in there for a hot hot second and to see him as a vocalist progress that the way he has has been it's 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 great and you know i always like to see my friends succeed in whatever they do and this is a, a perfect example of seeing one of my friends succeed and do very very well they did a great uh, 10 day run over the summer this past year. So I like seeing him advance in the music world, but let's skip off the music world because, you know, uh, we're only allowed to talk about Taylor Swift on this podcast now, allegedly. Um, so let's uh, skip over to professional wrestling and let's talk about AEW. Unfortunately, I'm not covering rampage this week because I didn't watch it. Sorry guys. It's been a very busy. So we recorded the beginning of the show on Sunday night, me and Dave are both hired. It's now Thursday when I'm recording this section of the show, and I'm also really tired. I uh, I had to live stream seven volleyball games this week so far. It's only Thursday, and then I have eight football live stream broadcasts to do this weekend. Um, so I didn't get to everything. I did get Collision. I did get Dynamite. So we're going to talk about those. Let's go back to Collision from this past Saturday. Uh, it was live in the Intrust Bank Arena in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, you start off the show with Swerve Strickland picking up the victory over A.R. Fox uh, after the match. Kind of just set up the rest of the show because A.R. Fox was then surrounded by the Gates of Agony. Then FTR comes out and sprints, sprints down. Um, and then Ricky Starks and Big Bill come down. And then LFI comes and sprints back down to clear the ring. Uh, and then FTR offers to shake LFI's hands, and LFI uh, declines and leaves the ring. Uh, you have the Kingdom come out for just a straight-up squash match. One, two, three, that's it. Roger jumps in the ring and hits uh, one of their opponents with a jumping knee strike and rolls back out to the ring in his wheelchair. Um, I really haven't spoken about all the Roderick Strong, Adam Cole, MJF stuff, but I think it's some of my favorite stuff. And I think this is a a great new side to Roderick Strong. You know what? Again, I really haven't been on the show in a very, very, very long time. So, like, there's a lot of things that have happened in AEW that I haven't even spoken about. We'll get to those things. But I really enjoy – this is a different side of Roderick Strong that we've ever, ever seen. 
I really enjoy it. It adds to his character, and especially I like the the kingdom kind of being his, uh, his kind of little minions, but not like a Billy Stark's minion like that's happening in ROH. Uh, we'll continue on with Darby Allen picking up a victory over Lance Archer uh, with a top rope uh, destroyer to get the pinfall. I mean, I get it, but like Lance Archer is a monster. Why are you having him lose? It? I, I I understand like Darby Allen, he can is going to climb out Everest, probably come back unscathed. And, you know, he's insane and he's super popular, but it's just like, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. But afterwards, Jake Roberts said, uh, you know, something he's like, you think he came to a fight with only one piece of artillery. He's got a couple more guys. Uh, and the righteous comes down. I kind of like this pairing with the righteous Jake, the snake and, and Lance Archer. It's a nice trio. Uh, but, Archer grabbed uh, Darby Allen and hit him with a, a blackout afterwards. So, very uh, cool on that front. Uh, you had the Acclaimed celebrating their 69-day championship celebration, which was then uh, thwarted by MJF on the screen saying that, uh, you know, he's earned his respect, he's starting to grow on me, and I'm kind of he's kind of starting to like the Acclaimed. Uh, Caster's all about it, but then they're cut off by Dalton Castle and the boys, who... Uh, Want a piece of the action? They make a, a quick trios match as the acclaimed and daddy ass uh, pick up the victory over Dalton Castle. And the boys just highlighting the acclaimed and still being, uh, you know, as popular as uh, they are. And continuing, you know, we saw last week with MJF, uh, the acclaimed, and, you know, they had a, a, a nice trio four-man match. I missed it. I'm sorry, guys. Um, continuing on now, though, is you have more trios action as Mark Briscoe. Uh, the natural Dustin Rhodes and Limitless Keith Lee pick up the victory over Kip Sabian, the Workhorseman. I maybe I missed it here, but hasn't Kip Sabian been with the Butcher and the Blade for a hot minute? Why would they just switch him off? I don't know, but it's good to see Mark Briscoe back in the ring. He hits the froggy bow on Kip Sabian for the win. Solid women's action here as uh, Willow Nightingale picks up a victory over Emi Sakura. Good to see Emmy Soccer in the wing. Willow Nightingale super over. I'm all about it. So, and then you had your big main event, eight-man tag team match. You had FTR and LFI pick up a victory over Big Bill, Absolute, uh, absolute Ricky Starks, Gates of Agony, and, uh, and the Gates of Agony, because they're a team. Um, yeah, that's right. Uh, solid action here. Bigger payoff was at the end of the match where the house of black appeared on the screen the lights go out and house of blacks behind ftr this day is bring cardio Castagnoli and wheeler yuda out and it's just a big shakedown it looked the tag team division as it's always been is has a lot of contenders and a lot of components into it so it now kind of looks like that maybe the house of black are shifting their focus from the trios championships to the tag team championships, which I like. I think Brody and Malachi Black are an outstanding tag team, and I want to see them thrive in there. And also, too, uh, and uh, I'm just a big fan of Dark Evil, Dark Evil stuff. Episode six six six. I love the House of Black. There we go. And that's uh, and that's Chris's <laughs> quick and easy run through of Collision. Let's go to Dynamite. Dynamite this week was from the Moda Center in Portland, Oregon. A different way 
to start off Dynamite this week, rather than just go into your uh, intro uh, video package that they do every week, you had Tony Schiavone kicking it off backstage with uh, MJF. MJF uh, talking about how he got pinned last week by Jay White. Uh, and then his phone starts uh, vibrating, and it's Adam Cole calling him, saying how he's so upset that he can't be there. He needs an opponent to face the guns. And MJF, he says, I got this. Don't worry about it. He's going to handle Bullet Club Gold. He's then interrupted by his opponent for the evening, Daniel Garcia. Um, you know, they have a little bit of a back and forth. And MJF is telling me he doesn't want, he doesn't want Daniel Garcia, the sports entertainer. He wants the professional wrestler. And then... Roderick Strong and the Kingdom roll up and say, uh, you know, Roderick Strong says he's a wrestling legend. If you need any tips, let me know. And he goes, you were a wrestling legend. Now you're not. I'm going to go wrestle. And that's what he does. And that's what kicks off the show is MJF defending the World Heavyweight Championship that he doesn't have against Daniel Garcia in a predictable but very fun match in itself. I like the fact that, like, Daniel Garcia was going into sports entertainer mode, and then you had to have Angelo Parker and Matt Menard like, no, 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 you can't do that right now. No, we got to focus on the match. Um, gave him a little bit of a run for his money, but obviously MJF picks up the victory um, with the salt of the earth, tries to shake his hands afterwards, uh, but uh, he pulls away. So, all right, cool. Um Keep keep it. MJF now that he's had this babyface run has wrestled I think more in the past two months than he has in the past two years, um, and just the way that this is going here too, like you know, there's a, we it, it's been speculated though the war, the bidding war of 2024 MJF is going to go to the WWE, but I don't think he's going. I just the way that they're building him up and the way that they're really making him a main event attraction and making him the focal point of Dynamite, and he's also on Collision too. Um, I think he's going to be staying around for a very long, long time, and he's really putting the company on his back, and I love it. And I'm excited to cheer for him potentially, hopefully not, at his last uh, AEW pay-per-view at event um, at the Nassau Coliseum. So let's continue on. Darby Allen and Sting pick up a victory over the Outrunners. I like the Outrunners. They got a very 80s look to them. Uh, but it was just, you know, keeping Sting uh, getting... These guys, the Outrunners, I don't know them that well. But it has to be really awesome that, like, they get to be in the ring with Sting on, like, the twilight of his career. What do we got, like, three, four months, five months left until Sting says goodbye? So cool. Sting picks up the victory of the, the Scorpion Deathlock. Uh, you had a sit-down interview between Hikarshita and Timeless Tony Storm, and I haven't spoken about Timeless Tony Storm since her, you know, Tony Storm since her rebranding into Timeless Tony Storm. I love it. I think it's maybe one of the best character work right going on right now in professional wrestling. Um, I like the vignettes are great. I like the fact that this vignette they had to do in black and white, and then you see like the the film burns. On the screen, too. I guess whoever did the edit on that put, like, a little overlay over the top of it. I thought it was very well done. Um, and just, just kind of hypes up their match into the full the full gear. So I'm about it. Um, after this, though, you had uh, an outstanding match. Swerve Strickland, Penta L0, Miedo. Swerve Strickland picks up the victory here. This match was action back and forth. And I have to say that I think one of the highlights right now in AEW is Swerve Strickland and his in-ring ability. Um, you know, I, we when he came in, we thought, you know, he could be floundering a little bit, but now I think this alignment with Prince Nana and the Gates of Agony, 
getting away from two sacks of milk and, you know, lunk one and lunk two, I think has been fantastic and they're really doing good work. And also post-match here too with Hangman running around and this whole Hangman Swerve Strickland promo that's going on. It's more personal than it is about championships. It's methodical on Swerve Strickland's end, especially a couple weeks ago invading into Hangman's house. I really like this. But as I said, after the match, Hangman Page comes out, hits Swerve with a chair, and hits a dead eye on him off of the stage into a crash pad. So keeping a, a blood feud boiling. And I like this. This will probably this will go into full gear. Um, you had Alex Marvez after this with uh, the Bullet Club Gold saying he pinned him. He's not getting his belt back. And he's going to beat Mark Briscoe. Jay White saying he's going to beat Mark Briscoe in the main event. And go on to full gear to face MJF and uh, not get it back. His uh, the, the Bang Bang belt, as they call it. Or the Triple B, the Big Burberry belt. The AEW Championship. Cool. Let's continue on now. You have Renee Piquette backstage with the Golden Jets. Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega talking about they have some match. I didn't really catch it that well. Sponsored by Sega. Some sort of street fight thing they have going on. It's going to be the Kals family versus the Golden Jets. And then the Young Bucks have to come in and ruin it and, you know, essentially, you know, try to belittle Chris Jericho, but you can't belittle Chris Jericho um, and talk about how Kenny's turned his back on the Elite and they're going to set up a match if the Elite win, uh, the Golden Jets have to disband and something happens if the other team wins. So, great. Cool. Awesome. Continuing on. Samoa Joe defended his ROH television title for the last time because after his successful win against Keith Lee, he got on the microphone and says he's vacating the ROH world title because he doesn't want another title until he gets the AEW championship. So I like this because, like, I feel like you the way that Samoa Joe has been used recently, especially with that ROH, he's been a monster. So, like, you can't take... Like, who's going to take that belt off of him? Um, and I like it, and maybe you just set up a tournament that'll end a final battle. You know, it's, I, first I heard final battle, there was rumors it could be at the Manhattan Center, but unfortunately I think it's going to be back in Texas. So, but the match itself, it's a meat fight here. Meat, you know, two big meaty men slapping meat, two very agile men. It was Samoa Joe getting the coquina, getting the uh, choke out on Keith Lee. The Guns pick up the victory over the Bollywood Boys. So cool to see the Bollywood Boys on AEW programming. Very quick match here. Afterwards, uh, you know, it was just the Guns hyping up that they're going to beat MJF at full gear. So I could see the Guns winning, but I'm trying to. I was trying to think like who could be his partner. Could it be Roderick Strong? There's also all these reports that Sammy Callahan is. Um, backstage and he's under an AEW contract right now so maybe it could be Sammy he because um you know if you follow professional wrestling like I have I know Sammy Callahan was a big proponent of MJF on his indie run so maybe he could be like well you know what I don't have a lot of friends but this is a guy that uh taught me to be a scumbag this guy taught me to be despicable then bring out Sammy Callahan to help him I'd pop for that I'm a big fan of the the Callahan death machine and uh you know He's uh, one of those, I don't think he gets the credit that he deserves in professional wrestling. Uh, he's got a great mind. He's got a great attitude. He's got a great, a very unique look. 
So that could be uh, that could be a, a, a good uh, partner for him. We'll see. Uh, I have to skip back here because we did have a backstage promo with Orange Cassidy and Hook. Orange Cassidy saying that, you know, responding to John Moxley saying that, oh, you just picked up the pieces of a broken Ray Phoenix. And Orange Cassidy telling him, no, he's like, I needed my AEW International Championship match. I need to beat you. And going into full gear, I am going to beat you. Um, which uh, then was later responded with John Moxley and Wheeler Yuta. Apparently, it's a setting up a tag team match between Hook and Orange Cassidy versus Yuta and John Moxley next week. Cool. Get to see Hook in the ring with John Moxley. That's a huge experience for for Hook, especially a young guy. Yes, I know he's the two-time FTW champion, but still relatively new in the business. So to get in there with maybe one of the best professional wrestlers in the world right now uh, is really awesome. So I'm excited to see that next week. Uh, Julia Hart, fan favorite Julia Hart, who uh, everybody's I feel like has been getting behind recently, especially her match at Wrestle Dream. Uh, which is fantastic. She picked up a victory over the returning Red Velvet. Red Velvet's been out of action for uh, a very long time, and it was a uh, nice, solid win for Julia Hart. But after the match, you had Sky Blue come down and stare down at Julia Hart, and then you have Chris Statlander and Willow Nightingale get in the ring. So we've uh, seen this kind of turn of Sky Blue recently to a more evil, you know, because she got the, the mist sprayed in her face, if, if I'm not mistaken. So very... Very uh, cool on that. I, it looks like that's going to be a feud coming up between Julia Hart and Sky Blue. Maybe they'll be a tag team. Then maybe we'll get women's tag team. I don't want to put that out in the open because I know somebody on the internet like, oh, God, AEW can't even do anything with their women's division. But they are doing good things with their women's division, as they have announced. And RJ said he had her backstage, Maria May. Mariah May? Mariah May? Maybe? I, I forget. Anyway, she is the newest signee to AEW. She said she's very excited to be, be here. If you don't know her, she uh, wrestled in Japan in stardom. And she said, she talked to RJ City saying she's a big fan of her work. And she said Tony, Reese, Tony Storm is the reason that she's going to be here. And RJ said maybe he can uh, hook up uh, Mariah May with her. Tony Storm and she fangirled out. So it seems like maybe she's going to have, they're going to have that like Mickey Trish kind of relationship from back in the day, which is, I like it. It's cool. Um, and I think they're going to do some good work together. So excited about that. Main event time saw Juice, uh, Jay White, Juice Robinson, well, Juice Robinson was outside, but saw Jay White pick up the victory over Mark Briscoe. It looks like Mark Briscoe will not be going to full gear to face off against MJF. It will still be Jay White versus MJF. This match was great. A lot of big dives by Mark Briscoe. Good back and forth action here. Uh, but it was unfortunately hit uh, Jay White hit a sleeper suplex on Mark and finished off him with the Blade Runner to pin him. Uh, after the match, though, MJF's music comes on. Bullet Club Gold looks like they're going to get at him, and MJF sneaks up from behind and uh, lays out everybody but Jay White. MJF then goes on to talk about how, uh, you know, he hopes that Jay White is having fun playing uh, dress-up right now, but he's going to get his world title back, and he's going to lose his uh, match at full gear, which then leads to the lights going out in the arena and footage being shown of masked men attacking the acclaimed Billy Gunn and Anthony Bowens getting thrown through a... Window, a glass window, like shattered completely. Um, MJF then runs to the back um, and tries to see uh, who's there. 
They show the uh, person in the devil mask. And I feel like it's very poignant here what Excalibur said. He says, it seems whoever tries to help MJF is in his way. So, like, this devil person is take trying to take out everybody that MJF loves. I know there was a promo earlier in the night talking with Wardlow saying that, you know, he's coming for MJF. So, I don't think that, MJ, that Wardlow is the devil. But maybe it's someone working... With Wardlow. Um, you know, it could be Samoa Joe because Samoa Joe, when MJF ran to the back to check on the acclaimed, Samoa Joe standing right there saying, It looks like you're running out of friends. So it could be maybe it's Samoa Joe hiring a bunch of people to take everybody out that uh, MJF uh, loves there. So very interesting. Uh, solid episode of Dynamite as always. Great wrestling. Um, it was, it's good to, you know, talk about professional wrestling here on the podcast. Uh, so on that note, I don't have a match of the week this week, unfortunately. Um, so let's just get to Brandon and his shoutouts. Hey there, pal! It's me, Mickey Mouse, and you're listening to Brandon Shoutouts. The burial gets the first shoutout. It's loosely based on uh, the true story of Willie Gary, who is a lawyer, and his client Jeremiah Joseph O'Keefe, who owned a chain of family-owned funeral homes. And in 1995, O'Keefe sued a much bigger funeral homeowner. And they made a movie out of it. I enjoyed the movie. It's on Amazon Prime. It stars Jamie Foxx and Tommy Lee Jones. So check that out. My next shout out goes to Neon, which is a new show on Netflix. Uh, it's, It's about a group of friends that moved to Miami so that one of them can pursue a career in reggaeton. And I really like the series. It's unfortunate that Scooter Braun is involved. I'm not, <laughs> but I'm not familiar that, with it, but screw Scooter. Yeah, outside of that, uh, I hope that it gets picked up for a season two. I don't know what, I think he's an executive producer or something, so it sucks that he's getting money off of it, but... But yeah, I really do hope that it gets picked up for season two. It, it ends on, I mean, it could possibly end where it like, that's it. It doesn't necessarily need a, a second season, but it also, there's so much more left to tell in the story. So I hope it does get picked up. And then my last shout out goes to South Park joining the Pandaverse, which is out now on Paramount+. Plus. I had no clue that they were releasing another South Park special, but it basically makes fun of the multiverse and the Walt Disney Company, which is kind of ironic. But I I don't even know how to describe this other than that it makes fun of that. Watch the trailer. It's just, it's what South Park does. So I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I always enjoy South Park. I know you're probably a huge fan of South Park as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but those are my shout outs. Thank you, Brandon, as always, for your wonderful shout outs, even though you couldn't be here this week. Um, And now it's time for it. It's time for our Our. moment of the week. Markout moment of the week. What do you got, Dave? Ooh, brother, brother. Oh, man. I got to say, my markup moment of the week 
was probably the return of Kyrie Sane. I did mark out for that. I know the rumors were there, but and also to think about that she was going that in my mind she was going to be opposing Eosky, but now she's aligned with Eosky, which is very very um, interesting. Also, huge mark out AEW tickets, brother. Yeah, I know. I'm pretty. I'm really stoked for that. Yeah. How about you? Um, I marked out for that. Um, I don't know if you guys mentioned it last week on the podcast. I watched that documentary, Superfan, oh. about Vladimir. Um, if you're a wrestling fan, like just watch this and just it, you know, and to all of us too, it just shows you how important professional wrestling is to some people. But right after, like, I watched this, right, by the way, it was fan-freaking-tastic for, like, a 40-minute documentary. Like, there was so much in there um, that really shined this guy Vladimir in a, in a great light. Um, after, and then it was announced he's getting two action figures coming out. He's getting a retro-style figure. I forget, uh, wrestling somewhat. I forget the name of the company. And then he's also getting a major bendy. So, really stoked about that. So, uh, you know, go go buy his figure. Uh, and see the real, real super fan. Yeah, I, I mean, if for anybody that grew up watching Monday Night Raw and stuff like that, you distinctly remember seeing him in the front row of like so many events. Everything, everything, and it was just it was, it was just a very, very well done doc. Uh, it was just beautifully shot. So I know John uh, Carlo Didimo. He's the guy. He was he did like Joey Janelle's original things. Apparently, he had a major role in it. Um, and everything that he does is. Fan freaking fantastic guy's very talented. Um, mm. That was it, I think. I did. Oh, I no, I didn't even mention it. it was you know it, this is the six hundred and sixty six episode, so we can't end the show without talking about some more evil devil music. Um, and what band is synonymous with Halloween? The Misfits. Misfits. Yes. So one of the bands that I listen to called Twitching Tongues. Uh, their lead singer, Colin Young, actually is the guy that does a lot of the music in AEW. He did Warlow's like, secondary theme. He made Julia Hart's music. He's in a band with Brody King. Um, they released a six-song EP covering Misfit songs this week. That's cool. Um, yeah, and his brother, uh, Taylor Young, owns a recording studio in the San Fernando, uh, San Fernando Valley called The Pit. Um, unfortunately, they were given a 60-day uh, eviction from their home and uh, home and the recording studio. So, like, the money from this is going towards, like, rebuilding a new studio, which is really awesome. Um, and they did a very cool, like, drop with it. They have, like, vinyls that are, like, orange and, and black. They made specialty T-shirts and stuff like that. And it just it's a very, very fun EP. Um, and I know they did a show pa- this past weekend doing a whole cover of uh, Mis- of Misfit songs, so I really marked out for that. Um, you know, Misfits are not just a Halloween band; uh, they're all year long. Uh, they are an influence on many people within the heavy metal and hardcore world. Um, so I'm I'm so glad that the Misfits are still getting their roses. Um, you know, and this is one thing I was thinking about too. You know, we are uh, unfortunately the number one Taylor Swift wrestling podcast here. Like, <laughs> why aren't the Misfits going back now? Like, they're doing shows. Like Danzig and Jerry Only and Doyle are doing songs. Why don't they go back and re-record all of these songs and you know put them out for a, a new generation to hear under you know newer technology and everything like that? I think that would be very cool. 
That would be awesome. You know, I, I still wish that I had video evidence of me doing a stage dive at their concert. Well, I was there sitting yeah. in the sound booth watching you do that. You're like, oh, my God. it's And that wasn't even like the misfits that we get now because Danzig wasn't even a part of that. I feel like crazy. if Danzig was a part of that, I probably would have got KO'd. Yeah, no, it would have been on the stage. <laughs> um, but that 1950 project was great, too. I enjoyed that. And Jerry, and Jerry only that guy that day was the man. Um, so, yeah, I marked out uh, for that the EP, the Twitch Fits, Volume 1. Go check it out. It's on all streaming services. Um, so, yeah. So that's uh, episode 666 of Mark. The number of the beast. And, I, and also, too, Mark, more Mark out stuff. Iron Maiden coming around next year. Yes, yeah. Barclays. Barclays. Let's do it. But they're playing like the they're playing the Somewhere in Time album, and I think they're playing like one other album there. So I don't know how like inclined I am mm. to go to that. If they were playing Power Slave again, then you know maybe we'll talk. But yeah, I I, I totally understand that. I want to hear Ryan of the Ancient Mariner because it's my favorite Maiden song. Um, so yeah. uh, good night, Maddie. My do- my daughter's going to sleep because it's <laughs> technically nine thirty nine now. So anyway, let's all go to sleep. Um, and let's go to sleep on this episode of Marking Out. Thank you very much for listening. we got to thank Lost Becomes uh, for letting us play LOF on the podcast this week. Go check them out. Um, we got to thank Brandon for shout-outs. Um, and you can follow us social media-wise, facebook.com slash Out, Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, slash Out, YouTube and Instagram.com slash Out 11 or on TikTok at Marking Out. Email us, markingout1 at gmail.com. Buy our merchandise, prowrestlingtees.com slash markingout. Email us, markingout1 at gmail.com. Uh, follow Brandon on all forms of social media at bttg161. You can follow Dave on Twitter at davidptdbt. Uh, and you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Uh, in X, I, I, I'm never going to call it X. Um, no, it's at, Twitter. It's Twitter, at Chris Dog. Uh, so until next week, where we're just a little bit more evil because we'll be six six seven. Um, we wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors. Fantastic week. Oh. Yeah,